0: Amen. Good evening, everyone. That's a comforting message, isn't it, to know that he will come? He did come. He did save us, and he'll return again. Welcome. My name is Ray, one of the pastors here. I get the joy of doing double duty tonight, playing the keyboard and uh, teaching. We had a few of our worship team members that were feeling ill, and so we just ask that you pray for them uh so we're we're just helping to keep things moving along tonight but praise the lord they did a great job didn't they amen amen thank you guys uh let me welcome those that are joining us online i saw we have oh he wants me to fix my mic is that better away better okay there you go okay Tell me if it's better. Uh, Those joining us online, I saw that we have 29 countries joining us tonight online. Welcome to all of you from around the world. We're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight. And uh, again, just great to see all of you in the house tonight. So many people coming out. I've been busy all afternoon, but I was told by Pastor Mike that we've had another series of forest fires today and things going on outside. So uh, we just continue to pray that things will continue to calm down here in this country. Um, And uh, just pray for the safety of those that live in those communities, um, that their homes and their families are safe tonight. Um, We're going to continue on in a series that we began uh, quite a few weeks ago in Nehemiah called Moving Forward. And tonight we're going to continue on in that series. Uh, We're going to be looking at something in chapter seven, but first I want to jump back just real quick and recap. Last week, Pastor Wayne kind of brought us out of chapter six and into the beginning of chapter seven. And he, he taught us about the six C's of leadership. If you remember that, they were calling character. And he, he prefaced that with servant leadership, care, courage, and capacity. Did I get them all, Pastor Wayne? That's five? Did I miss one? Did I miss one? Was Okay. <laughs> all right. But Pastor Wayne showed us that how these different characteristics were expressed in the person, in the life of Nehemiah and his leadership. Tonight... I want to kind of stay on this thread a little bit as we look uh, at chapter 7 and revisit something. Um, As I was reading the passage in chapter 7, I had two choices. I could look at the beginning or the last half of the passage is a genealogy, which would have been uh, pretty quick. We could have just read it together and moved on. But I wanted to just kind of stay again in the first part of chapter 7. And as I was reading and studying, I, I was looking at some other passages in my own uh, reading time, which I'll mention in a minute, that I saw some correlations. And specifically in regards to one of the characters that's mentioned in chapter 7, I believe it's in verse 2. Let's look at this together. If you have your Bibles, your devices tonight, we're going to go back to Nehemiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. I think they'll put it up on the screen for us. If you don't have a device, and you can read along. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. When the wall had been rebuilt and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. And I said to them, Do not open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot, and let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. Station the citizens of Jerusalem as guards, and some at their posts, and some at their homes. Now, I uh, just want to, at that passage, make a few somewhat obvious, if you've been tracking with us in the series, but historical points. First of all, um, Hanani, who was his brother, which we met originally in Nehemiah chapter 1, if you remember when we began the series in Nehemiah chapter 1, Hanani comes to the fortress city of Susa. It says in Nehemiah chapter one, verse one, during the month of Kislev in the 20th year when I was in the fortress of Susa, city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah. And he tells us that he questions them and we, we talked about that. But so here we know first of all that the one man is Nehemiah's brother whom he put in charge of the city. And then the second one, Hanani He he puts in is the commander of the fortress. Sorry, Um, he makes an interesting note about him that I want to really kind of focus in on tonight. He says because he was a faithful man who feared God than most. And again, if you remember a few weeks ago we were we were reading about a, a difficulty, a trial that Nehemiah encountered, and he's going through the list of the people that were complaining and he said, uh, the people and their wives, if you remember that. And I'm like, why, why does he add wives? You know, he's, he's making a point here. And why does he give this statement about this man Hanania? He's, he's trying to make a point here. He's, he's trying to give us some additional information and giving us that he was a man faithful who feared God than most. Now, I also felt like as I was reading this passage that I felt like Nehemiah was preparing for something. Something is transitioning, something's happening. He's beginning to appoint leaders. Um, what's happening? What's going on here? What was he planning to do? Was he planning to return to the king? in Susa? And, and actually, yes, he was. If we look a little further ahead in Nehemiah chapter 13, we read in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 6, While all this was happening, he's talking about some things, unfortunate things that were taking place in Jerusalem. I was not in Jerusalem because I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign. It was only later that I asked the king for a leave of absence so that I could return to Jerusalem. So this is what we know. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem in the year 444 B.C., And he came to serve as the governor. He was sent by the king and he was sent with a mission to rebuild the walls of the city. And he remained 12 years. And then after 12 years, he went back to his service of the king. Let me remind you of another passage that we read back in Nehemiah chapter two. As Nehemiah is praying to God about what he should do, if you remember, and he's God, how should I do this? And how should I approach the queen? Because he was disheartened. It says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 6, the king with the queen seated beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you return? So I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. So we know through the history that Nehemiah told the king, okay, look, I'm going to go and he says a definite time, I don't know if he meant by that a definite time like it's gonna take me this long or if he said once the walls, and the, do- the walls are rebuilt and the doors are put on, king, and that work is finished, I'll come back. But he put a boundary on it that something would be completed and then he would return back to the service of the king. And I believe that's what we see. He tells us again that the walls have been completed, the doors have been hung, and people are being appointed. So he's beginning this, I have to leave. (laughs) I have to honor my promise to the king. I have to transition back to my service of the king. And so he begins to transition. He's looking for leaders to transition the leadership in his absence as he's away. So what was he looking for? And I believe that's what he gives us in this statement. This is what, when he gives us this reference about Hananiah, he's giving us specifically what he was looking for because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. This is why I put him in charge of the commander of the fortress. This is the type of person I was looking for in order to give authority to to give responsibility to. I know that while I'm away, <laughs> this man will do the right thing, and I won't have to come back to his mess. You understand? This is why he's looking. He knows that he can trust this man. I don't have to worry in my absence. I trust this man. But why is this important? Pastor Ray, that's very nice. That's a great presentation. yeah. Why is, but why is this important? Um, you know, it's, it's history. And as I told you, I was reading in the last uh, few weeks, I've been reading in the book of Matthew for my own personal reading. And I was reading as I was studying for this um, in Matthew chapter 23 and into 24, and there was something that stuck out to me that really brought this out as to why this characteristic, what? Nehemiah was looking for is very important. So I want to jump over to Matthew 24, but um, before I get to our passage, I want to give you a little bit of background of what's happening. In Matthew chapter 23, Yeshua has come into the city of Jerusalem, and he goes into the temple complex, and for most of chapter 23, he has a very... Um, uh, Very interesting dialogue with the religious leaders, let's say that. There's a lot of uh, direct communication to the religious leaders in Jerusalem in chapter 23. And then in the end of chapter 23, he exits and he and his disciples head over... To the Mount of Olives. And it begins what is called in the Bible, the Olivet Discourse, if you've seen that heading. And so he heads over to the Mount of Olives. And it says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, now also, let me tell you that he had just told them that the temple would be destroyed. <laughs> So he's talking about things that were to come. And so they they question him about the future. What's going to come and what's the sign? And then continuing in chapter 24, he talks about tribulations and troubles that would come. And then he gives them a parable about a fig tree. And he says, well, you know that when you see the fig tree blossom, you, you know the season. You can tell the season. And he said, like that, you can know The seasons of God's timing, you can see the seasons. But then he continues, he said, but no one knows the day or the hour. Only the Father. He said, I don't know the day or the hour. The angels in heaven don't know the day or hour. Only the Father in heaven knows the day and the hour. And then he ends with this statement in chapter 24, verse 44. This is why you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is why you must be ready. So why? Yeshua, why is it important? And then, seemingly, that was verse 44. In verse 45, he says this in this parable. Who then is a faithful and wise, in some translations say sensible servant, Now, what did Nehemiah call this other gentleman? Faithful, and he fears the Lord more than most. Well, if you've ever read Proverbs, Proverbs teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So he's wise, he fears God, and he's faithful. And Yeshua says, he He's telling his disciples to be ready. And then he goes into this, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master, listen to this, has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. That servant whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. I assure you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Continuing in verse 48. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect and at an hour he does not know. Then he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, whoa. That's pretty harsh, but he gives us a picture between the faithful and wise servant who's working, and the wicked servant that thinks, "Well, I go- master's not watching." And this is what's important, folks. And this is—we're going to talk about this tonight. This is what's important. It's what are you going to do when nobody's looking? Because this is what Nehemiah was looking for. He's looking for a man that I can say, I can put him in charge of the fortress and when nobody's looking, he's going to do the right thing. But guess what? In this passage, Yeshua says he's looking for the exact same thing. This is what he's looking for. Not that they're just working when he returns, but they're working in a trustworthy manner. You see, the wicked servant was working. He was doing something. Just doing it a little differently than he should have been. You see, the servants who are given charge of the possessions of their master had acted righteously when no one was looking. So that's really the question. What will we do when no one's there to applaud us? If you remember Yeshua teaching on prayer, he said the religious go out and they pray very big prayers publicly because they want to hear people go, bravo, bravo, very good. He said, that's not the point. So, what will we do when there's no one there to give us the accolade to say, good job? but we still have to make the right choice. What will we do when no one is around to correct us? Hmm, maybe I could get away with this. What will we do? And remember, again, in our past, in this story, Nehemiah had already dealt with a situation where the people in Jerusalem had taken advantage of their brothers and sisters. He had already dealt with, so he doesn't want to leave someone in charge that's going to act in an unrighteous way because he's already seen that happen. Now, I want to look at one other person who exemplified this ideal for us. And that's the person of Joseph. And as we know, Joseph is a type of figure of Messiah, a a foreshadowing of the Messiah. If we look at Joseph's story, you know he was sold by his brothers into slavery, of no fault to his own. He had a dream. (laughs) I have a dream. And that dream got him thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. And he, he comes into Egypt and he's, he's taken into the home of a, of a leader. And he does very well. And then this is what happens in chapter 39 of Genesis. In chapter 39, verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time his master's wife looked at him longingly and said, at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he replied, look, listen to this, folks. He said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house. And he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil, and listen to this, and sin against God. Not just my master, but Joseph remembers, God is looking. (laughs) God's watching. God's paying attention. And folks, continuing on in verse 11, it says, and now one day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. And again, you know the story. Potiphar's wife comes to him and he says no and she grabs his garment and he flees. But again, there was no one there to accuse him. There was no one looking. And he made the right choice. And he's put into prison. And as you know, the story goes on and he goes through an extreme hardship. But then he becomes... The second most powerful man in Egypt. Listen to what Pharaoh says <laughs> after Joseph interprets his dream. listen to what he says. Then Pharaoh, and this is verse 41 of Genesis or chapter 41 of Genesis, beginning in verse 38. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, "Can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him?" So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and as wise as you are. You will be over my house and all my people will obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater. Why? Because Joseph did what was right when no one was looking. And guess what, folks? Even Pharaoh was looking for that person. Even Pharaoh (laughs) was looking for that characteristic. So we see three people tonight. Nehemiah is looking for this characteristic. Pharaoh is looking for this. God, Yeshua, is looking for this characteristic. What else do we see? And I want to note that in this context, what, what he says there, a man who has God's spirit in him, that sounds very familiar to another Character. Caleb in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. But since Caleb, my servant, has a different spirit and has followed me completely, I will bring him into the land where he has gone and his descendants will inherit. There's a connection here between the spirit and the action. I want to make a point here that I shared not too long ago, with our young people. Belief is challenged in the moment of decision. Belief is challenged in the moment of decision. I can say, I believe this is the right thing to do. Folks, let me put it this way, because I heard this, and I think this is a great way to say it. If belief was all that was necessary for me to lose weight, I would have lost weight 20 years ago. (laughs) If all it takes is for me to believe that I actually need to do that, it would have been done, okay? If if belief was all it takes for me to save money, done. Done. But it doesn't work that way, right? We all agree it doesn't work that way. Belief is I have an idea. I agree with that. And I can believe something all day long, every day of the year. But it won't be challenged until I'm faced with decision. Okay? And when I'm faced with decision, oh, nobody's looking. What am I going to do? Oh, do I believe (laughs) what God said? Hmm. See? Decision draws us into faith, challenges our belief. I want to tell you a story. Um, This happened to me. Um, I was in a McCulloch during the lockdowns. Uh, For those of you that don't know what a McCulloch is, it's like a small grocery store. And I had gone to get groceries for our family. And I had a good bit of groceries, so I had put everything on the conveyor belt. And so the young girl at the checkout counter, she starts to, you know, swipe things. So um, to try and be helpful, I go to the end of the, the conveyor belt and I start to bag my groceries. And so I'm trying to keep up, you know, she's pushing things along. And I was busy doing that I wasn't paying attention and another woman had come up right behind me and she had like two things and she stuck it right up against mine. And so I'm bagging my groceries, I'm bagging my groceries and I hear the young lady say something and um and then I see the lady next to me um grab a receipt and turn to walk out the door. And I look at the girl at the counter and I realized, I, in my mind, I realized what just happened is this lady just paid for my groceries. Okay? Um, so now I'm in the moment of Decision. Everybody say that with me. The moment of decision, right? I have to make a choice. What am I? Because I'm thinking, oh man, what am I going to do now? And I'm, and I, and I, so I look at the girl and I say, I'm not with her. I'm not, we're not together. And the girl's eyes get really big and she looks at me like, and I said, what do I do? And she just goes, <laughs> she gives me the, and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do, you know? Because now by, by this time, the lady is gone out the door. Uh, so I'm in the moment of decision, folks, so I wish I could stand here before you tonight and say that immediately what took over in me was, I'll go find that lady, but I'm going to be honest with you. Can I, be, can I be real with you all tonight? What happened? Can I be real with you? I wanna, I'm going to give you the, the, the process that went through my brain here, okay? This is what happened. I don't, oh, then what am I going to do? My is not good. Oh, this is going to, oh, I just want to get my groceries and go home. And I'm thinking to myself, God, maybe this is a blessing from you. Man, this lady paid for my groceries. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. I'm going to take this blessing, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, but that lady didn't decide to do that. So she wasn't involved in the decision. So maybe, and I'm, I'm oh, what am I going to do? And you're just sitting there and time is going on. I'm thinking this lady's probably in her car by now. She's probably gone home. And the whole time, that conversation is going through my mind there's another voice saying this isn't right this isn't right and god come on let this be a blessing you know come on this isn't right right this isn't right so i left my groceries there and i ran outside and i'm looking around and luckily, the lady, there's mailboxes around outside. She had gone to her mailbox, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, do you speak English? And she said, yes. And I said, I think you paid for my groceries. She said, really? She said, oh, I never look at these receipts. She said, well, there's a lesson for everyone. Look at your receipts, okay? <laughs> look at your receipts at the grocery store. So I never look at these receipts. And I said, I, I, think, I think I had a lot of things, and I think the girl just thought you were with me, and she just charged you for it. And she said, oh, thank you so much. So we went in, short story, then uh, the manager came and corrected everything and charged me correctly and charged her correctly. But folks, what I, what I want to get to you is that voice that was speaking to me is the Spirit. I could have just said, and he, I, I, so That woman, Lord, if she, I could, and I, I actually, I think I actually did say this. Lord, if she comes back, then I'll know it wasn't you. Then <laughs> so i know it wasn't you giving me a blessing. If she comes back, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna put a fleece out there, Lord, and see if she doesn't come. But it wasn't right. She didn't choose to do this. And that voice in me that this isn't right, this isn't right, kept speaking. And that is the spirit of God in us. And we have to keep listening to that voice. When nobody is looking, when nobody is watching, we have to listen to the Spirit of God, that voice that speaks within us. The coach, John Whitten, he's an American basketball coach, said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Character is what you really are. Reputation is what people say you are. Reputation is often based on character, but not Always be more concerned with your character. Pastor Wayne talked about character last week. Be more concerned with that part of you that acts and listens to the voice of God. Here at King of Kings, uh, you've heard Pastor Chad say, and we say it many times we value character over gifting. Why? Why is it? Because gifting is something that's received. But this is what's interesting to me gifting is what's visible. Gifting is what's seen. I said it this way. Gifting gifting often governs the things that people see. Character will govern the things that people don't see. Character will govern. This is why we value character over gifting. Gifting. gifting God gives and it's what people will see but the character that God is building in you through his spirit will govern the things that people won't see now I want to go back to Yeshua here because if we continue on in chapter 25 uh, Yeshua is speaking of when he will return in all his glory and he says he'll come in his glory and the angels will come with him and he'll be seated on his throne of glory and he says I'll gather the nation's before me. And then he says, like a shepherd, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. Okay? And then he says this in verse 20, or chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right... Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to this. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and then you show answers and the king will answer them. I assure you whether you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. You see, the lesson there is the righteous didn't see what they were doing as someone was watching. Someone's going to give me accolades. That was just the right thing to do. They weren't looking. And Yeshua says, That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Enter your rest. (laughs) See, the world would tell us sometimes that those things aren't important ah, whatever, it's okay, just turn the other, you know, we won't look. But it was the Spirit within them. Now I want to go back, I want to tell you, we did a series in November called Transforming Power, and we did a lot of talking about the purpose of the Spirit of God in us, to transform us. This is what God gave us. You see, God didn't just save us and then say, okay, have fun, figure it out. He sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in us, to transform us. I want to read a quote from that that message and said this, The Spirit of God that dwells within us is given to help us reform our desires so that they mirror the desires of God and to empower us to serve God effectively. And again, you can go back and watch that entire transforming series if you want. It's it's on our YouTube channel. But this is why God gave us his spirit to transform us and to empower us, to serve him effectively. So what should that transforming power produce? It should produce an alignment of our thoughts with God's plans and purposes. It should produce an alignment of our actions to be at his service. A knowledge of his riches and of his inheritance and a knowledge of the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who follow him and believe in him. So tonight, I hope I've made the point clear. Let me bring it home to what is the question here. You say, Pastor Ray, how how do I become that servant that Nehemiah was looking for? Pharaoh was looking for that Yeshua says I'm looking for how do I become that servant so I want to go back we have to allow the spirit of God to work in us and grow let me give you two things that he needs to work in us first he needs to work in us and grow our trust I have to be able to trust that my master will make the right decisions on my behalf Going back to our story of Nehemiah, if this man that he appointed as the the commander of the fortress, if he believed that that, uh, Nehemiah would go back to the king and basically start doing things that was going to mess up his life, he's not going to do what his master told him to do. He's going to start taking matters into his own hands for fear that he's going to lose control. And fear is going to cause him to begin to act in his own self-interest the Holy Spirit has to work in us to bring us to a place of trusting that God will always make the best decision for us. We have to believe in the Master's instruction. I have to believe. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and allow us to believe that what he has asked us to do or what he's told us to do is the correct thing. If I don't believe what he's asked me to do or what he's told me to do is the correct thing, I'm going to make up my own thing. But if I truly honestly believe, if I had a boss to say, Ray, play that piano this way, and I truly believe that what he told me was play it that way was the right way, I'd play it that way. If I didn't believe him, I'd play it my own way. I'd do what I want to do. Do you understand? I have to believe that what God tells me, this is the best choice for you. I have to believe that that truly is the best choice. And this is what we have to allow the Spirit of God to do in us. We have to allow the Spirit of God to mold us, to bring us to that place where, God, I trust you. I trust that you will always make the right choice for me. In fact, you already have. <laughs> I have to believe that God, you're not going to withhold something from me. Isn't this one of the issues in the garden? Well, maybe, maybe God is holding something back from you, Adam and Eve. Maybe He's not telling you the whole story. I have to believe that God is not withholding something from me and I have to trust that when he gives me instruction when he gives me instruction that what he's telling me is the right thing it's the right choice and when that voice speaks to me in that moment when nobody's paying attention and that voice says this isn't right I have to listen to that voice amen all right I'm going to close here so I want us just to Think about that for a minute. Again, now I'll ask the worship team to come and we'll close with some worship. But I just want us to think about that a minute, that God is looking for these types of people. Yeshua is looking for these types of people. These, God, are, these are the types of people that we want to be. These are the types of people that transform the world around them. These are the types of people that God, as Yeshua says, puts them in charge of all of the possessions in his household. So I want to pray for us tonight as the worship team comes. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us so many examples throughout history, or even in Nehemiah, that you've given us an example of the type of people, Yeshua, that you've told us the type of people that you are looking for. So God, I pray for each one of us. I pray for young leaders. God, I pray that your spirit would, would be active in it, work in our life. God, we need your spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you working. We don't want to silence your voice in our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, we want you to be working in us, growing us, transforming us. We need your power. God, we thank you that we can truly trust that you will always make the right choice for us. God, that we can truly trust that when you tell us this is my instruction, that we don't have to question that, that we know that that is absolutely the right choice. And we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you saw ahead of things and you knew we would make mistakes, but yet you equip us. You equip us to be what Yeshua called overcomers. And we thank you for that. And I pray for each life. I pray for each family, each person that's watching tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just be at work in this week, in the next month, in the next year. Be at work. Do what you do in us. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.